Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au Time on with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Oh, there's been a lot of big wigs on SEN today with a lot to say, and uh, I'll bring you up to speed on everything that Mark Corder had to say in his chat with Jared. Uh, interim Cricket Australia CEO Nick Hockley was on as well. There's news out of Melbourne, a bit more about Collingwood and that new board appointment, and Sam Edmund had some stuff today as well. Good evening to you. Hope you've had a wonderful day. Time on uh, SEN. Sam Hargraves with you this evening. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Time on, of course, your say on the news of the day. This is the time where you get to jump in the car after a long day at work. You've had SEN on all day and you've been just itching, just itching to dial one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 because you might have heard Mark Corder with Jared Waitley. You might have been listening to Gary and Tim this morning. You might have heard Nick Hockley from Cricket Australia speaking about the... Uh, uh, I suppose the re-emergence of Sandpaper Gate and uh, Cricket Australia's response or lack thereof to it. Uh, you might have heard Sam Edmund with a little bit of the latest uh, on some of the contract situations. You name it, you've been listening to it and you've been keen to have your go. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. So let's start with Collingwood. Um, before we hear from Mark Corder, there's just a, a little story that has broken uh, today that uh, Dr. Bridie O'Donnell, who um, we, we got the news last night that uh, she had been appointed um, a, a physician, um, a, a champion of three different sports, um, very highly regarded in the sports administration field, had been appointed to the Collingwood board. Um, there'd been a, a vacancy that had opened up and she had been appointed to it. Um, and that had uh, caused some conjecture for some people because they weren't quite sure if she was a Collingwood fan or not, uh, looking through her, her social media. But uh, she said in an interview today with Neil Mitchell that she had signed up to be a Collingwood member early last year. And because of that, it's now come to light that, uh, unfortunately, Bridie O'Donnell is technically ineligible um, to vote in the position until the club's AGM. So um, she doesn't have voting rights. Um, under the club's constitution... Um, you need to have been a member for 24 months to be a board member of a Collingwood footy club. So um, apparently, according to Collingwood, that she will continue to work with the club without those voting rights and they'll waive that requirement come the AGM later on in the year for her to be able to take her place uh, on the board uh, to which she was elected by the current board. Um, so it all seems a little messy, um, but... Who am I to judge? I've never sat on a board. I don't know if these things normally happen. If you've got a charter that says a board member can only be uh, appointed under certain circumstances, does it often happen that they that uh, a board would go against that? Or maybe they didn't realise at the time and have had it pointed out to them and, and they're looking for a way around it now. So uh, that was interesting to come out of that particular appointment. But Mark Corder had a long chat with Jared Waitley uh, today and, and the major point uh, and the major topic on the agenda was about the possibility of a challenge um, coming from uh, former Channel 7 boss Jeff Brown. Um, 
he had this to say in regards to that, whether he is expecting an imminent board challenge. I don't think so, Jared. So let me explain this. So the board of the Collingwood Football Clubs is elected by the members. Casual vacancies get filled by the board. And so we have three members up for re-election um, next year um, in the normal rotation of three. Then the Collingwood board elects the president. I mean, I think people forget that. The Collingwood board elects the president. So if people want to come on the board, then there is an election coming up. Um, they could have come through the process like we've just done, so the casual vacancies, and there's an election um, next season. Um, it's then the Collingwood board elects the president. Mark Corder with Jerry Whaley today. He was asked if he'd spoken to Jeff Brown. Yes, I have. I met with him uh, two or three weeks ago. Did he declare any intention to you at the time? Um, yes, he said he would um, like to be uh, a member of the Board of Collingwood Football Club. Um, we went through a process, as you know, over two months, which Christine Holgate ran with an executive search firm, and we um, went through a lot of interviews, shortlisted seven, and selected Bridie and Neil to fill the vacancies. So we went through that, but Jeff did say that. But we also, you know, I think, you know, everybody agrees having a having a coup at any football club's not a good idea. So I think, you know, uh, Eddie agrees with that. I agree with that, and I'm sure Jeff agrees with that. He was also asked if Jeff Brown still wanted a position on the board. Um, I haven't talked to him since then, so I'm not sure, Jared. There there are no positions at the moment. So we went through a process. Interview, I think we had a short list of like 80 people. Christine and the executive search firm probably interviewed 25 or 30 people and made a short list recommendation of seven people. And those seven were all interviewed by the board. So the process has been you know, detailed and robust, as you would expect it should be. Did you ask Jeff whether he had any intention of triggering an EGM? Um, not specifically like that, but I think you know, broadly, most people know that um, EGM or coups are not good for football clubs. And we should respect the process. The members elect the directors, and then those directors are then up for re-election every three years. And it's the board that elects the president. I don't walk into Collingwood and say, I want to be the president of the Collingwood Football Club. It's the board sits around and elects the president. I think that's fundamentally what, you know, Everybody needs to understand. It's the board. Do you think Jeff is putting together a rival ticket? Um, I, I don't know. You'd have to ask him that, Jerry. Uh, Mark Corder speaking to Jerry Whateley today. He was asked by Jared too if he uh, would welcome Jeff Brown onto the board. And the answer was interesting because he just went back to reiterating that there weren't any positions at the moment. Uh, the way I heard that was... Not really, uh, but I'm not here to paraphrase and put words into his mouth, but it, it wasn't. It certainly wasn't we welcome him with open arms. It was very much rehashing what he'd already said. Um, Mark Corder was also asked uh, about the Nathan Buckley decision. We, we've made it very clear at the beginning of the season that we would make a call on Nathan's tenure at the back half of the season. Everyone, including Nathan, remains committed to that timetable, and we've been unwavering on that, um, Jared. At two and seven, can you hold to that timeline? Yes, we can. And we will. He was asked about the two and seven 
I suppose, ledger at the moment. And this is what Mark Corder had to say. Yeah, I think even Graham would say we've we've got a better list than much better list and, and team than than two two and seven. So um, clearly, we were hopeful of of playing finals, um, but that's obviously uh, uh, very difficult at the moment. So that's one that I'm sure would sit interestingly with you as a Collingwood member or fan that they think they've got a better list than two and seven. So what does that mean? What does that actually mean that when you, if you think you've got a better list than two and seven would say, did you, do you believe that injuries have crueled you or do you believe that the coach isn't getting the best out of the playing group? That, that really, I found that quite compelling that you think you've got a better list than two and seven. So you think you should actually be better than two and seven. So why aren't you? better than two and seven and what that then means in the grand scheme of things moving forward on this decision about the best way forward to get Collingwood back in to finals footy. He was asked about the notion of a rebuild. Well, I think you saw that um, we, at the end of 2020, I think we took out something like 1200 games of experience. Um, 12 people list, um, left our list. We did sign up, Grundy, Dugowie and more. That's something then had to give. So we signed them up, 12. Um, had five players, I think, in the top 31 position. So that was started at the end of uh, 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 the end of 2020 on the realisation after we were um, we lost the game to Geelong that we needed to um, go back to basic basics and rejuvenate our list. That's exactly what we're doing. And you can see we're starting to play the younger players. Some we can't play because they're injured or not ready, but that's 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 the strategy at the moment, yes. Mark was also asked if, uh, given that they are on a rebuild, whether it's longer than just a one-year one proposition. Yeah, it's a longer-term project. And, of course, you know, Nathan's um, tenure will turn up about in the back, end, back half of the season, including how long for. Absolutely, Jerry. Do you think he'll be coached next year? I said, we're going to look at that. Uh, Mark Anderson, Paul LeCure and Graham Wright will go through the process and we'll make a call on that in the back half of the season. So that was Mark Corder, the uh, current Collingwood president, speaking to Jared Waitley today. He also went on to say that despite being two and seven, there's calm at the club. Interesting that John Ralph has written an article in the Herald Sun today saying that uh, people he's talking to in the footy department and playing list say that it's a bit lifeless and there's no spark at the club at the moment. So interesting take. What's one person's calm is another person's lifeless. Uh, Brendan's in Horsham. G'day, Brendan. G'day, mate. How are you? Really well, thanks. You're a Collingwood Social Club member, I believe. Over 20 years from Horsham and uh, travelled down to see some games, not a lot. I would hate to be a company that is being managed by a liquidation firm by a person who doesn't even know the rules of our constitution. This administration of Collingwood has set us back, I said five years to my mates, set us back more. It's absolutely a shambles. It's the boys club again. It's like it was years ago with the new magpies and everything else like that. We've got to get someone strong to bring us all together for one thing. No egos anymore. Let's just work to play for the pies. 
Brendan, the, 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 uh, the, the, the press release was at pains to point out that uh, five or six out of the seven members of the board had only been there for, for five years. So do you feel like the boys' club is is still a, a – I suppose, does that still sit in the back of your mind because Mark Court is there? Oh, yeah. uh, does, does it hold weight to say, though, but, yeah, he might have been there for over 20 years, but, but these other guys have only been there for five? Does that help you no. in that sense? Not really. Not really. Um, and would Jeff Brown be a better candidate for you, given that... Look, if, I honestly it, don't know Jeff Brown for a bar of soap. Living in the country, he, he's obviously a very intellectual person, had some pretty strong positions in the AFL and with uh, commercial TV. Uh, but we've just got to get back to basics and get... Like... Richmond, look, you just got to get everyone, everyone mm. working for the one thing. Yep. The bootstarter up. No, I hear you, Brendan. Thank you for the call. It's interesting. Jared made the point today about the business of football and what is um, the business end of football. Uh, so all of the sponsorships and, and all of the corporate side of things, but then what is the essence and the business of footy? And that's uh, what happens on the field. So, um, we've had a lot of feedback from Collingwood fans all throughout the day, and you can continue that one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Phil's in Bayswater. G'day, Phil. G'day, mate. How are you? Really well, thanks. What have you got for me, mate? I listened to this again today. I rang Jared. So, if you're Nike, and we just signed Nike, he said we just signed Nike for a little while, and you think about Nike, you do it. Inspirational quotes, and it's about being dynamic, and it's about being authentic. Mark Corder sounded less than authentic. When you listen to it the second time, it actually sounds a whole lot worse. And the worst thing, I think, Sam, is it's ambiguous. We're rebuilding. We got rid of so many games. We're this and that. If you're a member and a sponsor and we're listening to this bloke, I'm thinking, are you just a de facto? It's like British Bulldog um, governance. Who's the last person standing and we'll just pick this person? I think we're in a, I think we're in a lot worse position than people think. And not for anything. Sometimes you've got to cleanse. But to the average rank-and-file person that listens today, to hide behind corporate governance and treat people like mugs, which is what he did, and Jared stitched him up good and proper today because he got him that the constituents aren't happy. His inability to read the play and, and take it out for a sniff test is, I think, the big problem for Collingwood supporters, mate. But, yeah, when you listen to this a second or third time, I just went, wow. I feel sorry for my four-year-old kid, mate. He'll be dealing with the fallout from this. Phil, I, I hear the, the passion in your voice and, and how much it means to you. Thank you for the call. There were some people that called in today and thought that Mark Corder sounded measured um, and, and, and you know, not someone who was prone to, to, to bluster and theatrics, but he's just a, a, a rational sort of person, um, stayed on an even keel throughout. And for some people that called in today that I heard, that that, that actually gave them a, a sense of uh, calmness. So it's interesting how people hear... And, and, and it is a big change. I mean, when you hear Mark Corder speak, he's very different to Eddie. Very, very different in the way that they present. And not saying one's bad or one's good. I'm just saying that they are very different people in the way that they present in an interview-like situation. So you, you've gone from someone who really knew how to put on, uh, put on the show and, and, and really sell the, the message. I mean, there was no better. There's none better that have been and maybe will ever be 
than Eddie to get out and to, to, to promote the club and to sell the message and to tell you the story that the club wants you to hear. And there's there, there, there hasn't been anyone better and probably never will be in that. So Mark Corder is for Collingwood fans ears and members ears. It's very different what you're hearing there and, and, and what you have heard. And I'm not saying one's better than the other or, somebody's better than the other, you, you just hear, you're just experiencing a very different way of being communicated to uh, this time around uh, from, from this president, which is, which is fascinating. Uh, Denise is in Deer Park. Hi, Denise. Hi, how are you? Really well, thanks. Um, my problem is, right, we don't want somebody that's been at another club, somebody who's in something else. We want someone who lives, breathes, does everything in Collingwood. We need the passion. We need the guts. We need everything to let our boys flourish. I get really, really angry because people are complacent and just think, oh, we'll go with the flow. Well, that's not the way it is, in my opinion. Sorry, Denise, are you, are you making these comments in reference to Mark Corder? Is that... Yes, anybody who does not live, breathe, or do anything that want our our coach to flourish, yep. our team yep. to flourish. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, Denise? And, and I'd love to gauge the, the temperature of, of anybody from any club on that when it comes to board now because football clubs are big business. I mean, I've, I've been on committees at local footy when I played um, and even they are businesses in and of themselves. They, they, they go through, what have we made? What do we owe? So football is a business from every way, shape or form and in every level of the game. So when it comes to business decisions, do you do, does the person who's making those need to be the most died in the wool, live and breathe, go to sleep with a Collingwood jumper under their arm or, or Hawthorne jumper or whoever it is, or do they need to be the person that's going to make the best business decisions for the, for the sustainability and the success of the club in all facets of the club? It's, that's interesting, isn't it? One three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. Give me your view on it. I haven't, I haven't got a view on that myself, but you might, and I'd love to hear it. Um, there's a heap making news today that we will continue to roll through. If you wanted to keep speaking about the pies, then please do call through one three hundred seven three six seven three six. But Jared actually uh, spoke to Nick Hockley, the interim CEO of Cricket Australia, today uh, about the reemergence of Sandpaper Gate after a Cam Bancroft interview in the UK. We'll hear some of that as well. I uh, very much appreciate your calls and your text off the temper. 0433981116, temper mattress like no other. Just a couple that have been coming through. Seriously, that Collingwood interim president is the biggest waste of space ever. Corporate speak garbage. He's not the interim president. I know that that's a bit of a, a, a jab uh, at him. Uh, Collingwood of the Crows, uh, uh, Crows 2.0. Crows lose grand final in 2017, self-implode. Collingwood lose grand final in 2018, currently imploding on and off the field. That's from Michael from the Riverland, uh, off the text. What I don't get is Corder reckons two to three weeks ago he met Brown and there were no spots on the board, yet they appointed a Bulldogs fan to their board yesterday. Surely their fans can see through that. Um, speaking uh, speaking uh, about um, Dr. Bridie O'Donnell, well, she says she's a Collingwood fan and joined as a member last year. And if you looked at her social media, I think she's just been someone who's been a big fan of, just, of, of the game in general, has posted a lot of pro Collingwood tweets, um, a lot of pro Bulldogs, Saints. So I think someone who's just a, a fan moved, I think, from New South Wales in 2013 and just been a fan of the game. So 
Um, it doesn't particularly worry me that it, that that hasn't been a, a Collingwood fan since birth. I don't think that'll affect her ability to do the job uh, at a board level. Uh, but you might have a different view on that. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven six. It is an interesting point though. About two to three weeks ago, there was no spots. Um, but apparently, according to Mark Corder, the process to fill the two spots they knew they'd have to had already begun and was well into where it needed to be. And then the, the, the view from Mark today was that essentially that uh, Jeff Brown had missed the boat on that so that he believed that the last thing that the club needs is um, an EGM and that there's an AGM at the end of the year where they can put their hand up uh, for that uh, off the text board position. Seriously, who cares? I'm more interested in who we might pick up in the mid-year draft. That's from Chris. Chris. Give me your thoughts. Who would you like to pick up in the mid-year draft? Um, Tyson, if you're a Collingwood fan, Tyson Stengel's name has been thrown up and people believing that Collingwood is a likely destination. Um, I believe Collingwood can bounce back next season. Less injuries and some help for Brody Mychek should do it. That's from Mortimer in Cranbourne North. Uh, only way Corder can avoid an EGM is terminate Nathan Buckley's contract. There may be an EGM either way, but if Nathan remains, eventually there will be a rival ticket and Brown is a more popular candidate. It depends if the members vote on Brown uh, or they vote for change. What members are having a problem with right now is understanding who stands where, although most of us are aware a vote for Brown is a vote for Nathan Buckley. That's Martin's view. Thank you, Martin. I don't think the list is better than two and seven, but I'm pretty sure the president's view as calm holds more weight than a journalist's looking for a headline view as lifeless. Just saying. Um, I don't think that's directed at me. I'm not a journalist and I didn't say lifeless. I think I said calm, but uh, that might be pointed at a story that you've read uh, somewhere. Uh, Dave's in Melton. G'day, Dave. G'day, mate. How are you doing? Really well, thanks. Yeah, um, I think people still think football clubs are like the 80s and 90s were. Like football clubs now... You need people like Mark Corder. You need accountants. You need these people on the board because mm. football clubs deal with millions and millions of dollars. Yep. And as you know, there's AFLW teams, there's netball teams. Football clubs are a lot bigger than what they were. Like, I don't understand. Like, the blame should fall directly on the football manager, list manager, and the coaches. That's where, that's who's letting the club down. It's not Mark Corder and Eddie. They've done a fantastic job at the club. They put us back in the green, and we deal with millions and millions of dollars. But what have the board done? The board haven't done nothing. They've held up their end of the bargain. The coaches and the list managers have let us down, so let the blame go on them, not on the board. If if if, the, if if someone came in saying, well, it's the board that appoints those people, uh, how would how would that sit with you, Dave? That argument, well, I'm not making well, it, but if someone did, well, Eddie's put these people in position, he's gone. Jeff Walsh, he's gone. The list manager's gone. Graham Wright's come in. Court is put in there to assess it with Paul Courier and Mark Anderson, I think it is. And they'll decide. Mm. If he has to go, he goes. He's doing the right thing. He just got the job for a couple of months. Just give the bloke a chance. Yeah, Dave, I think that's fair. I think that's fair comment. I mean, we don't know what kind of president Mark Court is going to be because he's come in at a time where there's a lot to sort out and there's a lot to make decisions on. Uh, and they're ticking those boxes one at a time, and they seem to have a time frame in which they want to do that. So I, I agree with you. I, I think it is far too early to, to see to tell what kind of president Mark Corder is going to be. He's definitely different, and those who listened to the interview today, that, that didn't sit well for some people. They thought there was a too much corporate speak, not enough footy talk, um, and I understand all those views as well. But it is very early in his presidency, um, and I wonder whether he deserves a chance to, to try and get things the way that he would. I mean, the last... <laughs> how long did Eddie have the job for? A very long time. This guy's been in there for four minutes. Um, 
I think might be a little bit too early to judge. Uh, Jamie and one thaggy, hello to you. G'day. What have you got for me? Uh, um, I used to laugh years and years ago when um, Hardwick had the front up to press conferences and talk about Richmond's lacklustre performance. And around him, everywhere, he's surrounded by placards that say, light and easy. And then on the weekend, I'm watching Collingwood play the Swans and they cross to the coach's box. And there's Buckley sitting there in front of um, Carlton Zero, zero percent placards everywhere. And I'm thinking, who's the genius that thought that this was a good idea for a high-performance sports club to have the coach surrounded by zero percent placards everywhere? Uh, I think people have pointed out the irony, Jamie, that it is Carlton on a Collingwood top. Um, I don't know if the zero um, would have any symbolism, would it? It might to you. Uh, I hadn't thought of it that way. I did laugh when I saw the word Carlton on a on a Collingwood jumper. I thought that was uh, rather amusing for the for the four seconds that I that I gave it. But uh, no, I appreciate you bringing it to our attention. I wonder if that's sitting uncomfortably for any other Collingwood fans. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. I promise you, Nick Hockley, who spoke to Jared today, I'll play that for you straight out on the other side of this. Will Cricket Australia reopen the sandpaper investigation, Nick? No, um, a bit, given that um, no further information has, uh, has come to light since the original investigation. Does Cameron Bancroft's self-evident quote in the English press constitute new information? So um, what we've done since that media report is our integrity unit has reached out to Cam to ask whether he has any uh, new information and Cam has confirmed back to the, the integrity unit that he has no further information subsequent to the initial investigation and we, we thank Cam for confirming that. Has every person involved in Cape Town, Nick, provided a full account of what transpired to Cricket Australia? Um, so clearly I wasn't in this position at the time but my understanding is that um, a thorough investigation was done. It's obviously a, a very difficult time for everyone. I think the work um, under new leadership that the, the team have done um, you know, with, with Tim and with Aaron um, and, and with Justin, I think you only have to watch the, the, the test documentary to get a really great insight into what the team, what the leadership uh, stand for. And as I said, I think you know, very severe sanctions uh, were served. Given that we've clarified uh, with Cam, I think we've seen what the bowls have to say. I think it's it's time to move on. Interim Cricket Australia CEO Nick Hockley speaking to Gerard Waitley today. SEN.com.au for the full chat. Also Mark Corder up there on the podcast as well. Uh, they were very, very well done interviews and probing uh, at its very best uh, from Gerard today. It was, uh, it was a privilege to be able to listen to that uh, all go down. Um, there was a whole lot to that interview, but that was uh, just packaged up for some of the questions that Jared asked Nick Hockley, Cam Bancroft interviewed during the week, uh, Sandpaper Gate now back in front of mind for a lot of people. Cam Bancroft has since, as we heard then, said he's got nothing further to add. And uh, the Fast Bowlers released a statement having a crack at former players and journalists for calling uh, their integrity into question. They said that they've been honest from the start and uh, and they refute claims that they would have had to have known what was going on. One of those was Michael Clark, who uh, has responded to the statement from the fast bowlers, who he says he's friends with all of them uh, and the Nathan Lyon as well. So the four uh, bowlers who were there that day at Newlands in 2017, he actually responded today saying it was comments from teammate Bang 
uh, Cameron Bancroft, who was involved in the situation, and then quotes from David Saker, who was the bowling coach at the time, after journalists and past players like myself, Adam Gilchrist, Stuart Broad, um, a current player, had seen what was said and written. A lot of people have made comments. Uh, Michael Clark said today, I think those guys and Cricket Australia need to remember how this conversation has been brought up. So in their statement, they should have added where it says, we pride ourselves on our honesty. So it's been disappointing to see that our integrity has been questioned by some journalists and past players. You probably should have put current teammate who was there at the time and did the crime and bowling coach who was there too. You probably left two people out. David Saker has said that uh, it would be fair for Cricket Australia to reopen the investigation into what happened at Sandpaper Gate. Adam Gilchrist uh, was asked by Jerry Whateley today about his response to the bowler's statement. They clearly wanted to clarify their position on that and, and that's all we can do is take that, take their word on that. They you know, very specifically said that they weren't aware of the, the Sandpaper situation. So... Uh, and there's you know, no no need for anyone to suggest that they're not telling the truth there. And I guess they're entitled to want to defend themselves in this situation again, as as they you know were really keen to do right back at the time that it happened, weren't they? They were they were pretty outspoken in trying to really separate themselves from that. I think it was that line of Steve Smith about the leadership group uh, at the time at that press conference. So nothing's really changed in that regard when they when they're talking about that specific incident. Adam Gilchrist speaking to Jared Whateley today. I, I do hope that Cam Bancroft is getting plenty of support at the moment. I felt that at the time and I feel it now. And I hope that he's not made to be the pariah for this. Um, whether what he said was a slip of the tongue, whether it was misunderstood or whether in a moment of frustration in an interview or, or he, he maybe lashed out a little bit or maybe he genuinely feels like three people weren't enough to be punished for what happened there, or maybe we've misunderstood what he said. But I just hope that he is getting the support that he needs and he's not being, and again, will not be the person hung out to dry uh, for all this. Um, He has said that he's got nothing else to add. I take the bowlers, if, if they are adamant that they did not know, I take that on face value as I take Cam Bancroft on face value as well. Clearly, we don't know the full story. And, and as Jerry Whateley said today, the fact that not every single person that was there was interviewed as part of the investigation will always mean that we've got unanswered questions and we don't know the full story. Um, and it seemed to me from Nick Hockley today that the, <laughs> they're just not interested in going back over it. There is just no want or any willingness to 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 go anywhere near it. So we'll straight bat it, and and until we have we don't have to straight bat it anymore, and then we'll just keep pointing to the schedule that got released today. So um, we'll just have to put up with not knowing until someone comes out and definitively says in a book or in another interview uh, that. This is exactly what went down and this is how it went down. Maybe we know all there is to know, but clearly, and whether it's Cam Bancroft has misspoken or whether he legitimately feels like there was three people punished and that was probably not enough. Um, yeah, I just I actually feel for, for him in this uh, as well. One three hundred seven three six seven three six uh zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Dave's in Turin. G'day, Dave. Yeah, good night, mate. I um just want your opinion. Uh, I know the Carmel prison stood down, and there's not much of a rural like at Collingwood. What's the odds of Chris Judd being president, Justin Lepich being taking his job, 
and Alistair Clarkson won't coach next year. All righto. There's a hypothetical day. What are the odds? Uh, gamble responsibly, of course. I, I don't know if there's a market up for this. I think Juddy's stepping down, isn't he, as a football director? So I think he's stepping down. So I'll say that he would be at long odds. Whether Leper would be there as as the senior coach. Uh, sorry, Leper is an assistant, wasn't it? No, um, Leper will take Judge's job. Oh, sorry, Leper goes in as the director of football. Uh, and then Alistair Clarkson would be the senior coach. Uh, so Judd's leaving the board at the season's end. So count that one out. So the other one, the other two, uh, Leper in there to fill his job. Well, he was from what we're from reports we've received say that he, uh, Chris Judd had a chat to him. He, he has no comment on that, which is fair enough. Justin Lepich, given that they're confidential conversations, but if reports are to be believed, then he's already had that chat. So, it's not outside the realms of possibility. So I'd say you maybe get, uh, what would you get on that? Whether Leper goes back to footy land, is it as a director of, of football or is it still into the coaching world? Maybe there's still an itch to scratch coaching wise, or maybe that's done. He's pretty happy with what he's doing now. He was 50, 50 on it during the week. So I'll say you'll get about 30 to one on that. And as Alistair Clarkson, as senior coach, um, that's a watch. This that's a watch. Uh, that's a watch and wait and see. I reckon Sam Mitchell, Mitch Cleary is writing about it at the moment that there's going to be a fascinating few weeks when they're trying to figure out Sam Mitchell's contract at Hawthorne, which expires at the end of this season, and how they go about. There's nothing set in place. The Woody Club has said about a handover. So could Elsa Clarkson be at Carlton? I'll give you fifteen to one on that. Fifteen to twenty. Oh, if there's the Clarko's only leaving Hawthorne for someone that he would think would be because he's so loyal and he's done a brilliant job at the Hawks and I, I I'd be sad to see him go but I would always say all the best because of what he's achieved at Hawthorne but he would only go to a club that is within a window at the moment or close to a window now Carlton are nowhere near Carlton aren't going to play finals this year of course but there's pieces there that would have you say that maybe this he would see it as something that he could do something with. Melbourne are right where they need to be at the moment, so that would rule them out. Yeah, I'd give you 15 to 20 for that. I'll give you 15 to 20 on that, Dave. Thanks for the call. Mario's in Ivanhoe. G'day, Mario. Hello. Uh, look, um, I don't wish to be rude or blasphemous, but the reality is Carlton suffered from a messiah complex. Their view is that we just go and get a really good coach who's done well elsewhere and we'll be fine. Now, they've tried it. Now, early days, it, it succeeded. They got David Parkin, but since then, it's been an unmitigated disaster. They went and got Dennis Pagan, and for all sorts of reasons, that didn't work. Later on, they went and got... Sorry, they went. They, they did Dennis Pagan, and then they, they went and got Mick Mulhouse. That was even worse. And now you're talking about, well, look, let's go and get Alistair Clarkson. The reality is their list, with respect, is a little bit of a shambles, given that they've had so many first-round draft picks. Their problem has been recruiting. It's not been a situation of going and getting a Messiah-type coach. I think it's completely looking at the problem from the wrong end. I don't know what your thoughts are about that. Uh, yeah, I, I've gone back and had a look, and I've spoken to a couple of people about their recruiting in, in terms of drafting. And the picks that they took at the time, and the people I've spoken to have said, yeah, that's that's who they would have taken as well um, from where they were at the time. Um, they haven't come on, so 
I know Luke Power's in the job now, which I think is a good thing. But I would, I would just differ that slightly and say I think that maybe that their issue's more been in the way that they've developed the young players or, or haven't developed the young players as opposed to who they've recruited. It's, I would say it's, in my humble opinion, and, and I base that on people who have a very good opinion and, and a respected view of that uh, and know that area very well, when I would suggest it's maybe not who they recruited from a draft point of view. There might be some people they've brought in from other clubs that you would question, but from a drafting point of view, I would think that maybe it's more about the development of the players, Mario, than the players themselves, um, if that makes sense. But uh, I appreciate the call, and I hope that answers your question. one three hundred seven three six seven three six Off the text, did the bowlers not just put out a definitive statement about the sandpaper? So you're calling them liars? No. I'm not. I didn't say that in any way, shape or form. I said, if that's the bowler's view and they are definitive on it, then I will take them at face value and take them on their word. But clearly, Cam Bancroft, and I'll repeat it again, either misspoke, was misunderstood, or feels like three people being punished for what happened isn't enough. I'll go back and get the audio, but at no point did I accuse the bowlers of being liars. And I would hope that you wouldn't accuse me of being one. But thank you for your text nonetheless. 0433981116 off the temper text. Temper mattress like no other. Hey, um, there's plenty more making news, which I'll work our way through. So Sporting Capital at 7. Warwick Giddy is going to join us. Josh Giddy's father as Josh Giddy gets set for one almighty adventure, the NBA draft. Uh, we will have a chat to him about that journey that's come and what will be. Uh, looking forward to chatting to an NBL legend in Warwick Giddy at 7 o'clock. But one three hundred seven three six seven three six to take your calls. You'll say on the news of the day, Time On SEN. You're listening to Time On with Sam Hargraves on SEN. A uh, heap of text coming through. This one's come through about 17 times, so it's very long, so I'm going to read it because it's taking up a heap of space. Uh, to disgruntled Pies supporters and members, the Tigers have a membership deal at the moment, eight home games and free dental care for a year at a very special price. We have a strong president board. We have the all-conquering Brenda Gale. We have the real Dustin Martin, not the next Dustin Martin. We also have three of the last four premierships, and we don't wobble on grand final day. Call now to sign up and take advantage of this great offer. Please read this out, Jack. Please, uh, it's Sam, but thank you very much for the text. And I'm reading that out not to, to stir you up, Pies fans, but the person who's been sending it is actually clogging up the text machine so badly that I can't actually read the other ones that are coming through. Uh, off the text, Diesel George says, Steve Silvani needs to be held accountable for our list. He had years of low draft picks. Who did he get and what are they doing now? Sam Walsh was a gimme. The rest have failed. Get Silvani on to explain himself and why he did what he did. Makes no sense to me, our list. Well, we'll... We'll chase Sauce to see if he was fantastic during trade radio with Matt Rendell. Um, so I'm sure we, we'll see if we can get him on at some point. Um, I think that a, a man of that ilk would probably go to the big dogs on the station rather than little old me, but we'll, we'll ask him nonetheless just to try and appease you. Michael's in Perth. G'day, Michael. Hi, how are you going, Sammy? Yeah, really well, well thanks. I, I, I just... The Cam Bancrofty interview, I don't think... At, any stage he is saying the bowlers knew about the sandpaper. What I think he's alluding to is the bowlers shine that ball and they know every nook and cranny when it's in their hand. And I think if from memory, there were quite a few balls that went through to the keeper. What I think he's alluding to is that the ball in their hand was nice and shiny. By the time it got back to them, it was a different texture. And I would be loath to the bowler go, oh, geez, this looks a bit different to he just spent 10 minutes polishing the goddamn thing. I think that's what he's alluding to. 
Uh, I'm just trying to find the exact quote um, to get it up here to, to read it. Um, that he was asked if the uh, if the bowlers, bowlers knew what he was doing. So there was a long pause. He said, yeah, look, all I wanted to do was be responsible and be accountable uh, for my own actions and part. Uh, he said, yeah, obviously what I did benefits bowlers and the awareness around that probably is self-explanatory. I guess one thing I learned through the journey and being responsible is that that's where the buck stops. Uh, had I had better awareness, I would have made a much better decision. Uh, the question was asked again, did some bowlers know? He said, he hesitated and said, ah, yeah, look, I think, yeah, I think it's pretty probably self-explanatory. And I'm just reading that. I don't have the audio at hand uh, at the moment. So um, that's how he answered that question. And and that's why I said, I don't presume to know exactly what was happening for him in that moment. I don't know if he misspoke. I don't know if he was just, if he wanted to say more and couldn't. I don't know if he, I, I don't know. No, and I don't either, but I, 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 I would be absolutely flabbergasted if the ball was nice and shiny in the, the hands of the bowlers and they, they shine to one side to get the reverse swing and then all of a sudden it comes back a completely different texture. I'd be flabbergasted if the bowlers did not know something was just different to the ball. Not saying they knew what he was doing, but exactly what was happening to the ball, who knows. But it, the ball was different to what they received back after spending time polishing well, it. That's the, all I'm saying. Yeah, well, the umpires checked it, uh, and that was made uh, in the bowler's statement. They pointed the fact that the bowl, once this had all come to light and it had been caught on the cameras, the umpires inspected it and couldn't see that the ball had changed in any significant way. Um, so that is what the bowlers are pointing to as, as, as sort of um, being admo- – uh, well, that's sort of being as a, a, a sort of clearing of their names in, in that aspect as well. Um, but thank you for the call, Michael. I really appreciate it. Dave, uh, in Richmond, uh, we've got Warwick Giddy coming up next. So uh, we'll get to you as quickly as we can. Um, there's a few other things making news today that we'll go through just in terms of some contracts, some injury stuff. Uh, and I want to just bring you all the audio updates of the coaches talking about the holding the ball um, grey areas at the minute. This is probably the, the, the most conjecturous issue in the AFL at the minute. So we'll work our way through that and where each of the coaches that have spoken about it sit with it. Uh, Sporting Capital's up next with Warwick Giddy. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.